Welcome to HY Dyslexia Podcast, All Things Dyslexia. I want to say a very big welcome to you all. Today's podcast is really, really different. The title of the podcast today is Dyslexia, Social Isolation and Low Self-Esteem. Now, if anybody listening and you've got dyslexia, I'm sure you will understand what we are about to discuss today. I've always said in my previous podcast, with this particular condition, dyslexia and specific learning difficulties, it can either make one or break one. And if you don't seek for the help that you need, you could actually sort of fall into so many different areas and it could be a very sort of serious place to be. Dyslexia is on a spectrum. Some people are severely dyslexic and it can really, really hinder one. And some people manage day to day with dyslexia. But before I start, I'd like to introduce who I am. My name is Elizabeth Tetchy. I'm the founder and the CEO of HY Dyslexia. And we have been kindly funded by the London Community Fund Awards for All to bring this podcast to your homes. Now, I'd like to invite my special guest today, Andrea Wright, who is the founder and director of Black Swan Wellness to Work Initiative at Black Swan. What a beautiful, beautiful company that is. I love the name of this organisation. Now, I'll just tell a little bit about Andrea's background. Um, Andrea joined, Andrea is the founder of Black Swan, like I said, um, company. And today's topic, which I have said earlier, is dyslexia and social isolation and low self-esteem. Now, I'm not going to say too much about Andrea's biography. She will tell us who she is, what she does and why she thinks it's really important for one to actually talk about the low self-esteem and the self-isolation and where they are. And also tell us a little bit about her organisation and why she set it up. Andrea, welcome to A2I Dyslexia podcast. How are you? Hi, thank you, Elizabeth, for having me and inviting me to your wonderful podcast. I'm feeling, um, I'm feeling well. Good. I'm feeling well today. I'm really feeling well. I've enjoyed the sunshine over the last few days. It's a bit cooler now, but yeah, I, um, I'm really in a good place. Wonderful. And it's such a privilege and a, and a real privilege to actually have you on our podcast today. Now, I know Black Swan Wellness Work Initiative is an employability, employability initiative which addresses health inequality for Black residents and carers in Lambeth who experience multiple challenges, including mental health and chronic pain. Uh, you have over 25 years experience in health and well-being um, industry across private NHS, corporate, charity and voluntary sectors. And, you know, you do this so beautifully. The work you do is just really phenomenal. I just want you to tell us a little bit about you because I don't want to read everything. I want our listeners to hear it from you and why you're passionate and why did you set up Black Swan? Mm. So actually, my background is I'm a physiotherapist, a chartered physiotherapist, and, and that's where um, the, the broad um, spectrum of my experience comes from working with musculoskeletal um, injuries, people with pain, and, and helping people to manage stress and to recover and to be well. And over the years, I have broadened my experience to cover a number of disciplines that help to address um, people's wellness in a more holistic way. Um, and so uh, Black Swan Wellness to Work really emerged um, from a desire to support um, the Black community, really from, I guess, the impetus coming from two years ago, uh, or really more, more so George Floyd is what heightened um, the, the impetus, really, and COVID, and noticed that the Black community was severely impacted 
by the pandemic. And then the, the multiple trauma and collective trauma, the consciousness of, the public consciousness of the impact of racism mm-hmm. um, on our communities really made me think actually, you know, the well-being of the black community is overlooked. And so how can we support the flourishing and the thriving of, of people in London, in Lambeth, which is where I'm from, and using my skills as an embodied practitioner, as a health and well-being practitioner to, to support um, employability skills for these individuals in the community by building their confidence, helping them how to manage stress, how to improve their communication in the workplace and how to deal with conflicts. So I was doing that really using, um, yeah, embodied practices really. How can we regulate or better regulate our stress responses? How can we better respond in ways that help us to navigate aggressions and, and oppressions in the workplace really? Wonderful. Now that just leads me on to my first, thank you for that beautiful um, introduction. Mm. It just kind of leads me on to my first question for this podcast, which the title of the podcast is Dyslexia, Isolation and Low Self-Esteem. What is the definition of self-isolation? Self-social isolation? Uh, Social, sorry. You see how I've read that wrong? (laughs) No, I think it's just so Well, it's interesting. It's interesting. Nothing's a mistake, right? Because... (laughs) Sometimes, you know, we can self-isolate, which will lead to social isolation. It's very interesting. And we mentioned COVID earlier. um, And so that becomes, I guess, more relevant in these times of the pandemic, right? Because self-isolating for a number of people who have multiple disabilities and vulnerabilities find themselves um, in isolation, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm glad that you mentioned that, actually, because it's very, very relevant. Yeah, it's meant to, in fact, it's part of my dyslexia, as you can see, which is so beautiful when I make the mistake. I'm like, actually, it's so well, this condition. I'm actually reading the paper itself Uh and I've got it all, you know, sorted out for me from the admin team. And it actually reads social isolation. But I saw S and for me, it's like self and it's not even self-isolating. But it's great how, you know, you, you can now maybe talk about both. And, you know, right. So thank you for the thank you for your gift. Right. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. opened up another set of, of ideas and another channel of, of, of discussion. Right. So thank mm. you. Mm. Um, so it really is an objective measure of the lack of human social interaction or relationships. And those relationships can be family, friends or colleagues. And and I guess a, a measure of the infrequency of social contact. And I think um, just reading around um, the subject before um, coming to the podcast, it's very interesting. There's a very distinct impetus to distinguish between social isolation and loneliness. Um, Because one can lead to the other, but you can be lonely and be um, have social isolation and not be socially isolated, or you can or the other way around, right? You can be um, socially isolated and not feel lonely. And loneliness really is the, the perception of your social relationships, how much interaction you have and how much you wish to have. So it's a subjective feeling. 
yeah really yeah um but it's important to make that to make that distinction I think yeah yeah and I think for the past for me you know before I got diagnosed with dyslexia and not knowing what condition I had I call it condition other people call it learning difference for me it's nothing to do with learning difference it really it really does hinder me in in my everyday life so I actually call this um condition I call dyslexia condition because it is a condition for me. It is a disability for me personally. Other people may use another word for it, but I remember just before I got diagnosed and because I, I didn't know what, what was wrong with me. I wouldn't want to be where, even like sometimes speaking and words, I'm trying to find the right word and I can't find it. You know, at one point I thought, I'm, I don't stutter either. So why am I struggling to find words? And I would literally withdraw myself from a group of conversation Mm. until I can find that word I'm looking for to be able to mm. join that conversation mm. and then by the time I've actually thought of the word come back and I've forgotten it again so it makes mm. you kind of become a little bit like withdrawn yeah and people don't understand because some people think oh she's a bit unsocial but it's not that it's because I, I'm trying to sort of remember where I was and what I want to say you know mm. and that kind of led me into a, a sort of a social isolation but even though a lot of people know me as a very bubbly friendly person it gets to a situation where I'd rather be on my own and not, and yeah. not say anything within that circle. Sure. Because I'm afraid of getting it wrong, you know? Ah, yeah. It's really interesting. I didn't really have much connection, I guess, to friends and family, close connections of their experience of having dyslexia. So um, I reached out to some family members and who have dyslexia and they were diagnosed quite young. Um, when they were in their early teens. Um, and it's interesting to hear their experience because one of the things, I guess, with that social group is really belonging to, belong, feeling of belonging in your social groups and with your peers. And having, noticing their difficulty, the, the stigma attached to that was really, really, um, really poignant for them. So some of them had to find themselves in, uh, in different classes. And so they were teased or made to feel stupid or called um, derogatory terms and, and, um, and yeah, really feel, feeling isolated yeah. because of that. Yeah. So, you know, what you're saying is very interesting as a contrast, yeah. you yourself withdraw because of the way that you are trying to process information, but also because of the stigma and what other um, individuals may impose on you, there is a sense of withdrawal and, and isolation from those groups. So it's, um, so it's, it's quite interesting that, that I guess the conversation around dyslexia and whether you identify it as being a disability yeah, yeah. because it's going to be so different for different people. people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that it's interesting, the tension between, you know, owning that as a disability or not owning it as a disability mm. and how you respond in social situations and how that make that, how that places you um and where you feel comfortable yeah yeah you know, and, and oh. under the umbrella of dyslexia sometimes it's not just the dyslexia condition because for example I have dyslexia dyspraxia dyscalculia visual stress and then you might get some people who have got ADHD ASD autism all that as well right. as on top on top yeah. as well as dyslexia yeah so if that person didn't really want to socialize with somebody for for whatever reason it might be mm -hmm. 
if if one doesn't know that it's dyslexia as well as they'll just think well, you know or sometimes people will say is dyslexia not just reading writing and spelling but no no yeah. more than that it's just it's absolutely a lot more than that you know yeah and, and the understanding mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and I guess you know um and these things are really I guess difficult to untangle aren't they really difficult to untangle but the piece about low self-esteem um my family members were saying that they thought that they were stupid mm -hmm. you know they thought oh well i'm working really hard there's a there's a disjoint between i'm working really hard but i'm not achieving the results that i'm supposed to achieve and so this gap for them their internal experience thinking well these these derogatory terms people calling me stupid then, then they must be must be right what's wrong with me right and starting to internalize this 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 sort of lack of um you know their agency or their their, their, their self-worth absolutely um and so that was very common amongst those stories yeah. that that their their confidence was completely shattered at that time yeah confidence that was shattered at that time but i think it's it's really an interesting piece because when I think about it, you know, how our value systems, particularly in this country, you know, um, in the Northern Hemisphere, um, our Western values or, or the Western values that we've adopted largely as a measure of intelligence, right? The educational system or attainment or grades or, or yeah, achieving in a particular way that's measured in a particular way that then signals that somebody's intelligent or not and I think that's that's core to the problem right because that's not the only way we measure somebody's competence or somebody's intelligence by gaining exam results or gaining scores of a certain level and I think fundamentally um, we've adopted those values those of us who have been, have grown up in the UK those of us who might have migrated who are migrants we've largely adopted those values to fit into the system. And so when you don't necessarily um, meet up to those values because there are challenges, because there are neurodiversity challenges and because of your unique gifts that you bring, then, then there's this disjoint, but we begin to internalize that, right? You need to keep reiterating that, you know, attaining exam scores or, or doing well in exams isn't only the measure of intelligence, you know? How, how do we um, reclaim the gifts that we have and understand ourselves with the other qualities that are brilliant and make us uniquely us, right? Or, or make, you know, your listeners or anybody who has a, um, any other, I guess, uh, ability challenges. Mm -hmm. I mean, often we get, um, obviously representation matters a lot and, being a black woman of the founder of this organization a lot of the times we get um the black community contacting us and one of the first things they normally say is i actually feel very low my mm. self-esteem is so low because obviously i've got three things against me i'm a woman i'm black and i have this condition and i really don't know how to move forward from here and not just the woman i mean we also get phone calls and emails from the black men community as well mm. What sort of advice would you have around that for, for the individual who feels because of their race, maybe they're mm. not able to voice, um, you know, how dyslexia impact them? You know, if you've never come across that, I'd understand. 
but otherwise I'm sort of thinking, is there any sort of advice that you'd be able to give um, to the individual in terms of race and dyslexia? No, it's a really interesting question because, you know, these things really interlock, don't they? Is, as I said, you know, our multiple identities, however we identify, um, always interact and they collide, don't they? And I think being racialized black or brown and having a disability, whether it's physical or mental disability, is going to impact um, on or com your the compounded sense of discrimination and impact and capacity to be who you need to be in largely a, a, a structurally racist society is going to be um, very, very difficult. And uh, my first thing is, you know, I touch my heart is to have kindness to yourself around the fact that you feel low and there are there are legitimate reasons that you do feel low because we are socialized to not be enough yeah we can see that through through employment you can see that through the judiciary system you know racialized people black and brown those people are disabled um face oppressive systems right so there's a legitimate reason why you may feel um low self-esteem and i think to to those people who may experience that um, is really to find ways to care for yourself, right? What are the ways um, that you're mm. able to, to pack some kindness around those emotions? And I think that one of the things that's really important to say here is that self-isolation is linked with, um, uh, with, uh, chronic, with chronic health conditions, right? Mental and physical health conditions. So, the fact that you may undergo chronic stress from a society that oppresses you because of your social identities, right? How can you better manage your stress? And if social isolation then um, is associated with a lack of resource, right? Social interaction, um, connections with others, friendship groups, support, then one way of managing your stress will be a way to help support you know, your low self-esteem. So self-care is one and some um, practices that, that support your self-care. So whether that's um, meditation, whether that's you, uh, enjoying your hobbies, whether that is going into nature, um, eating well, sleeping well, um, those are things that are gonna help manage your stress, yeah as a way to also counter if you're feeling yeah. isolated you, you don't want to be depleted in two zones right yeah so one way of managing your stress and resourcing yourself and and the other way would be then to to find connections and community people who hear and see you for who you are people who who can validate your experience people who understand um what you may be going through and all of it but they can listen and be compassionate um to come alongside you as a as a compassionate friend i think those connections not necessarily numbers but the quality of your friendships that support you and 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 where you are that's fantastic honestly that wasn't even part of the question but as we were talking it kind of dawned on me and i just think how you've actually explained that and, 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 and how you've answered that question is just so beautifully um, put. I couldn't even, um, you know, say anything more about that. And I'm so glad that it kind of led me to that because mm. it's, um, we do get many, many phone calls. And sometimes 
what a lot of the uh, the black people will say is that I've been told that I'm an angry black woman or um, you know, particularly for the black men, they're not even actually voicing it, and and it's leading yeah. to other other. Um, and yeah, and that's such an important point, so, you know, yeah. because there are so many you know negative tropes that are labelled um, that are given to um, to our community, right? Um, and they're not helpful, and they're incomplete, right? And I think being with people who counter that right who understand you and a way for you to 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 kind of um what's the word i'm looking for um to share the the kind of emotional burden right of being in the world and and, and put into a small box you, we need spaces and being with people mm. who allow us to breathe and be who we are we can voice we can be as loud as we need to be we can be as jolly as we need to be, right? Um, and uh, yeah, and, and, and be the fullness and the beautiful um, people that we are, right? Wonderful. And I know we've got your links and um, where you have people can kind of actually connect with you. So when we finish the podcast, of course, I'll share that. Mm. And also, you know, it'll be in a podcast, the ACAST platform, so people can connect with you and get the support they need um, to really mm. live their life to the best of their ability. and and because I think it's very, very important that um, we have these discussions, you know, um, around the dining table. And if one is feeling really low and one one feels like, look, I have no one to turn to or no one to speak to, mm. it's really important that we go for the help we need. So we would definitely share yeah. your um, social media links with, with, with our listeners. Thank you. And just want to add the, what, what one of the things that um, my family member had said was, you know, dyslexia, or autism or whatever condition that you may have um it doesn't define you it doesn't have to define you right it's not the only aspect of your being Absolutely. right that is that is you it's a part of you um and so you know finding out who you are right what gifts you have what passions you have what the interests you have you know what other skills um and gifts that you 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 are are known to have, or people tell you, cherish those, because it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing that yeah. defines you. So, you know, bring in value to all the aspects of yourself, yeah. right? Um, is 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 and recognizing that, and being proud of it, you know, is a really important piece. Wonderful. Thank you so much, yeah. Andrea. I mean, I've got a very last question and then I'll let you go, I promise, yeah? And <laughs> it's just amazing, isn't it? Really great. So what has, it, what has been your experience with individuals experiencing self, um, social isolation and low self-esteem? I think you've already probably answered that in, 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 mm. in the um, earlier question. But I mean, what has been your experience? I mean, have you sort of experienced anything like that? Know anybody who's been through it? An example of it? What triggers it? What to look out for? Yeah, I I think one one of the things that comes to my mind is um, certainly through the pandemic is working with people online, and um, so one of the embodied practices that I um, was doing somatic practice, I was working with a with a client who had been self isolating probably up to about two years, or in total to this day, to this day because they have multiple. Um, most multiple co comorbidities that is multiple um 
uh, health issues um, that make them very vulnerable and they have a small child and they're working from home. I think one of the things that was, was very important for them in terms of our therapeutic relationship was to not feel that they were alone in what they were experiencing. So for them, it was um, when you're self-isolated, your, your perception of, of your experience becomes very, very narrow and you feel that you're the only person experiencing these uh, emotional um, aspects of distress, perhaps, or psychological um, dis-ease, let's say. And so what was clear was having the connection to kind of contextualise their experience somewhat um, was really, really important. And, and I guess that... Mm -hmm. That really is the piece yeah. about social isolation, isn't it? It can be the cause and a symptom. You know what I mean? It's that chicken and egg piece, right? So once you begin to isolate, then your perception of the world begins to shrink. Yeah. And yeah. that perception yeah. can become a little bit distorted or incomplete, perhaps, and can become incomplete in, in, in unhealthy ways. So I think... Um, yeah, having that connection and, and, and really contextualizing and actually validating their experience um, was a really important piece for, for the client and being a witness to what they were experiencing in their body and, and um, yeah, and, and not being judgmental. Yeah. Well, thank you so yeah. much, Andrea. That's such a, a beautiful way of putting that. Now, would you have one or two tips for our listeners, who anyone who may be you know, any dyslexic listening or anyone with specific learning difficulties who may be listening to this podcast right now um, and actually going through social isolation, stroke, low self-esteem. Two points or two tips that could you leave with us? Like, yeah, I already mentioned that piece about, about self-care. Mm. You know, that's really fundamental, um, I think, in terms of ways that settle you, discovering ways that settle you, whether it's going to the park, being in nature, meditation, singing, dancing, like nobody can see you. You know, I think that's a really important piece in terms of, yeah, managing your stress, your levels of stress. Um, the other thing I think is, is important is to find purpose somehow. So having a routine, you may not be working, right? That's okay. But if you, in, you know, embed some sort of structure to your day, that will help you to move from one moment to, a, to another moment, right? Um, and sometimes just pick, picking one thing to do a day to feel that you've achieved something, maybe that's all you can do and, and that's okay. And also, you know, where you can find connection. So it might be that you are vulnerable and there is fear about the outside world or interacting in public spaces. So where possible to connect with friends, messaging, WhatsApp, mobile, tentatively social media, because that can have pluses and minuses that can raise anxieties. But, you know, connecting to online groups, communities that are um, aligned to your values or interests um, that you can make some, um, yeah, you can develop connections with. And I can speak from personal experience, you know, through lockdown, I've developed some beautiful friendships um, through online communities. Um, and, and discussion groups, which have really supported my well-being, um, yeah, through the, through this pandemic, um, 
Magnum. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you very much for coming on to HY Dyslexia Podcast, All Things Dyslexia. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure talking with you, as always. Keep up the amazing and great work that you were doing within the Black community. Uh, keep soaring and keep going to the highest that you can get. Thank you so much. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank the London Community Fund Awards for All and also thank Yola for producing our podcast for the great work that she does and also just to thank our listeners I hope it has been helpful continue to subscribe to us and we'll see you next week same time same place with a different topic bye-bye for now the aspire to inspire all things dyslexia podcast is funded by awards for all it's presented by elizabeth tashi and produced and distributed by salt and pepper productions 